to the Daily Regrounding Podcast, a space where together we can step into and steep in the natural world around us. Through interviews with experts in life, health, and business, as well as some solo regrounding riffs, we'll create mindful moments and deep breaths, allow for perspective and pause, and ultimately feel more connected and deeply content. I am your host, Meredith Ewanson. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back to the podcast. I have here Casey von Eiderstein. She is a holistic practitioner who supports fellow humans in cultivating a deep sense of inner freedom, ease, and aliveness through leveraging the power of breath, somatic awareness, plant allies, and endless curiosity. How are you, Casey? Good to see you. I'm so great. And thank you so much for having me. What a delight. Yes. I'm looking forward to this chat because you and I have been like ferociously chatting and voice memoing through DMs because there's so many good things to talk about. I feel like we're always vibing on the same things at the same time. Um, And I think, you know, this is coming at a good time. I feel like there's some kind of kismet things that we're both working through that um, that we've sort of connected on that I'm really excited to explore. Um, but we first met through doTERRA, um, but I actually kind of feel like we would have met or maybe probably had some sort of, I don't know, overlapping connection before that anyway. Mm. Um, like I'm in Newport, Rhode Island. You're in, are you in Hingham or where are you? Uh, right now I'm in Cohasset. So just okay. south of Boston. Yeah. Okay. So you're near Boston. So we're actually pretty close geographically together, but I feel like we've had a few different overlaps with just our wellness journey, starting with like blogging and food and wellness and those kind of things, making our way to doTERRA and then also into some of our own deeper work. So I feel like, um, like you said, you follow your curiosity. I totally am the same way. And I feel like that's been sort of the, the guiding light of my journey is just sort of, this is interesting. Let me explore it. Now this is interesting. Let me explore this and just layering upon layering, you know? Yeah. That's one of the things I love most about you. I feel like you're so intensely curious and so present with life and what's happening around you. And I totally agree. Had it not been for doTERRA, I think we would have found each other because it's like that whole, it's that whole concept of you have this like fractal family that lives all across the globe and you find you find each other through your authentic resonance. Mm. Once you start really following your authentic path and expressing yourself in that way, those people are magnetized to you. And it's just the way that I've seen that unfold has been so interesting because I can see my fractal like all over the world on every different continent. And it's crazy how we've all just found each other. And I like the different ways we found each other, but I know we would have found each other regardless. If it wasn't through that one portal, it would have been another one, you Mm. know? Yeah. And I feel like it happens really fast too. Like when, and and I think the key part that you said there is when you're expressing living in from an aligned place. And I think, and that's kind of, I feel like what we're going to chat about a bit. Um, But I think getting to that place is like the journey is the work and is just kind of life, you know? So I feel like um, it can happen really quickly when you, you know, allow yourself or unravel and back off enough to really understand who you are at your core and what you care about and not just what been, what's been kind of imprinted on you. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like people come in quickly and the connections can be really 
deep really fast. And I love that. And I totally feel like, yeah, if it wasn't doTERRA, it would have been something else who knows, but, um, yeah, it's been so great to just be connected with you for sure. Yes. Agreed. There's like that sense of soul recognition where it's almost like when you meet those people where you can just go deep so fast, it's like, we've known each other in lifetimes before Mm -hmm. this, you know? Yeah. And I actually do get kind of nervous before I get on podcasts sometimes because I, I want to like, you know, I want to do justice to the conversation. I want to really, um, bring out what, you know, is, should be most expressed of that person and like really do them justice, you know? And so sometimes I get really nervous, um, before I get on a podcast, but I actually was very not nervous today. I feel (laughs) like, it. you know, I feel like, um, you know, that's just kind of how we connect is like drop in deep and then like, you know, see in a little bit. So yeah. Um, and also like just dropping into a space where, you know, there's zero judgment and it's just right. like full acceptance of how you show up in that moment, just as yourself. Um, yeah. The soul recognizes that and the heart does. So I'm just so glad. Yeah. So let's talk about breath work because this is one of, I know the key things that you practice yourself and you teach as well. And I've had some experience with it, with you, um, that I want to share, but, um, what is breath work and somatic awareness and how are those different than meditation Mm. or how are they related? Um, because I don't know, I'd heard the term breath work. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher. Like that doesn't mean that I know all the modalities. I think some people assume that if you're in a certain industry, you, you must know everything about it, but I really didn't know anything about breath work, um, until I experienced it with you. So Will you share what it is and how it's different or similar to meditation? Totally. And just like you were saying in the yoga industry, um, you, breath work is the same where there are so many different forms of breath work that typically breath work practitioners will focus in on either one or a small group of them and really develop an expertise with that. So with that said, um, I mean, breath work in general, if we're just going to use an umbrella for it is the conscious control of your breath. And I always say that it's so important to link that with an intention as well. So our breath is one of those things that happens in our bodies automatically. You know, it's like a life-sustaining function. It's the first thing we do when we enter this world. And it's the last thing we do before we depart this world. And so in a sense, it becomes so automatic that many of us just forget about how important it is for our lives. And we don't take time to consciously control it. And the interesting thing is when you think about like how important breath is to be the first thing you do and the last thing you do in when you incarnate in a body. It's so interesting how there is not an emphasis placed on that from when we're very young, because the conscious control of your breath can regulate every single function in your body pretty much. You know, like it is the most essential uh, oxygen, getting that into our body is the most essential life giving nutrient. So when we use our attention and our intention to bring this life-giving mechanism, um, the full power that it, or not give it, but allow it to kind of expand that its fullness of its power into our lives, it's incredibly life-changing. So you can use your breath consciously to um, reduce stress. You can use your breath consciously to increase your energy. You can use it to release trauma. Like, you know, anything that has to do with a body state or a mental state that you're experiencing, you can use your breath to modulate that. 
So with that said, the types of breath work that I focus on, well, the primary one is a really therapeutic style of breath work and it's called conscious connected breathing. So in this breath work, so most of the time when you're breathing just normally in your daily life, you want to be breathing through your nose because your nasal passages and your nose itself is perfectly constructed to filter out things, to spiral the air into your body in the right way. However, sometimes when we're wanting to get into a therapeutic practice, it's important to allow more oxygen into the body than we normally do through our nose. So conscious connected breathing, since that is a therapeutic breath work, that happens through an open mouth. And we actually eliminate the natural pause between breath cycles. So if you think about when you're just naturally breathing, and if you follow that breath really just with your attention in the present moment, you'll notice that at the end of each inhale and exhale, there's a brief pause, just a natural pause that happens in your body. So in conscious connected breath work, what we're wanting to do is oxygenate our body pretty quickly to move into these therapeutic brainwave states and then also move into the tissues of our body and into our nervous system where we store emotions, where we store trauma, where these things get locked because of patterns where we're living in the past. So basically the technique is open your mouth, relax your jaw, relax your throat, and remove the pauses between the inhales and the exhales and keep your breath circular. So it's like, and that doesn't need to be the pace the whole time. You know, in, in the way that I bring these journeys in, we kind of climb from a slow pace to a, a high pace and it gets deeper into your body and deeper into your nervous system and all of those things as you go. But, but really it's, it's kind of, letting your breath hypnotize you, letting your breath become your guide. So you connect to it with your attention and your intention, and then you let it take you on a journey by staying present to the process of what's unfolding in your body and your mind while you're breathing, you know, like just really bringing all of yourself into that moment, because as you breathe, you're going to notice that emotions are being unlocked. Um, there might be movements that want to come out of your body. You might be feeling tension. There's all of these physical manifestations that will come up in emotional and even thought forms that will drop in of what's right here that is ready to be released and be processed and be seen and heard right now. So through the process of this breath work, I'm probably getting a little too deep into like this specific technique, but basically through the process of this breath work, by staying present with the process, we are able to be, become liberated of things that are stored in our system. So that's like the primary type of breath work that I guide people through. My other favorite, which I find is a really beautiful counterpart to conscious connected breathing is heart coherence breathing. And you can learn more about that through the heart math Institute, but that's really getting the mind, the heart and the emotions. So like basically the mind and the body coming together in a place of harmony where your systems are working together harmoniously. And then you are emanating this coherent field. Um, and then you're interacting with the world from this coherent, harmonious place. And when you're really living from that, like heart centered, heart coherent place, it's really amazing how your life unfolds synchronistically and almost like magically. And the way that you attract experiences to you that are in alignment with like that peace and that harmony that you feel at your core. So those are just my two favorite practices and kind of, oh, and how you do that breath, by the way, just to give you kind of the other side of the coin, because the conscious connected breath is just this active 
really active breath, you're moving through a lot of resistance. Where the heart coherence breath, you're conscious and you're connected to it the whole time, but you're breathing through your nose. And it's normally an inhale of four to five seconds and then an exhale of four to five seconds with your attention dropped down into your heart space and then connecting and manifesting elevated emotions in your body. So emotions like gratitude, compassion, love, things like that, because those emotions actually, they strengthen and they expand the electromagnetic electromagnetic field of your heart, which can be felt from, they've measured it four to six feet off the body. And they think it extends way further than that. So those are kind of like two totally different styles of breathing um, that can either release trauma and also like connect you to the divine, get channeled messages, or make you much more coherent and harmonious in your daily life. Mm. Um, both make you feel amazing for different reasons. Wow. Those sound incredible. I've only, to my knowledge, done, um, that first one you described with you, would you like, those seem really complimentary. Like one is sort of clearing and one's kind of nourishing. Would, would you ever purposely, do like one and then the other, like every other day, or like, do you use them in any sort of, um, specific pattern like that? Yeah. So actually what you just said is like, I resonate with that so much because I always call conscious connected breathing, the clarifier. Mm -hmm. And then I call heart coherence, breathing, the harmonizer. Mm -hmm. So like, I really think of them in that way that you just explained. And yeah, I think as women, in particular, since we're such secular beings, we, we live on cycles, right? Like I love so my morning practice is normally, um, about 10 minutes. I make a short playlist for myself of conscious connected breathing, where I just go into that practice and kind of release what's at the surface and then get energized for my day, because it really does bring a lot of energy into your body. However, on days like one through three of my cycle, or even sometimes past of that, past that, I don't want that activation and to expend that much kind of energy in my morning. So Mm -hmm. heart coherence breathing is right where I drop in. And by the way, if, if anyone listening is interested in Mary, you too, if you haven't done it yet, interested in practicing the heart coherence breathing, I highly recommend the monitor, the little ear monitor that heart math Institute sells, um, because there's this app that goes with it. And I love to use that because it actually shows you when you're in coherence and when you're not. And then it tracks your whole breathwork journey. So then you can go review it afterwards. And then you notice the moment, because you can see it right on your screen. You can notice the moments when you are in coherence and how that feels in your body, like what the felt sense is of that. And then you notice, how am I directing my mind? How am I directing my energy and my emotions? And then you can take that with you into your daily waking life as well. But anyway, I digress. To answer your question, when I'm looking for more of like a peaceful, nurturing energy, I'll start my day with the heart coherence. And if I'm just on a normal day, I'll start with conscious connected breathing because that just makes me feel like lit. Like I'm like a sparkly aura of a human, like bouncing around. And I also love to use this, like Dr. Joe Dispenza technique at the end of that, where you do deep breathing, then you hold on the inhale and then you squeeze basically from your root chakra all the way up your center channel, up into the crown of your head. And you almost like follow this stream of light up your center channel And it kind of like blasts into your pineal gland. It gets Mm -hmm. your cerebrospinal fluid moving. And that's actually like, when you get really into it, he says it can produce DMT in your brain. But I love to end my practice with that when I'm in the mood for something more active, because you become like this state of being 
no mind, no body, and you just feel yourself as pure energy, kind of like vibrating sitting there. So um, yeah, on most days I'll do that, but on the chill days, I'm just straight heart coherence and just letting it like hug me, you know? Oh, I love that so much. And I feel like that root chakra activation up into the pineal gland, I feel like that's something I've experienced and I'm not an expert in Kundalini whatsoever, but I I think that that's a practice that's often. Yes. It comes from Kundalini. Yeah. Okay. Which, um, that sounds, okay. That sounds so cool. And I love like one thing that I always think about too, is like, is like, okay, how is this practice going to look and feel and integrate and infiltrate and it like expand out into my daily life? Like, what does this mean? Not just for me right now on this meditation cushion or laying down on my yoga mat, but what does this mean for like the random person at the grocery store that I experience, or my husband or my friend or talking to you right now? And it sounds like the conscious connected breathing is really a great practice to release any of like the tension, the anger, the anxiety, like the, the crap that gets in the way of yes. being able to like connect with someone with pure intention versus coming at something with defensiveness or reactivity or trauma, um, where the heart coherence feels like it's more like you are just coming from a place of love. <laughs> like you're just showing up to an experience or a person or an interaction with just like, just pure love. And that, and that feels, that's definitely something that is felt because I know, you know, I don't know what practice they did or didn't do, but when you come into interaction with someone that, you know, they are just radiating like that type of vibration it's totally felt. Um, and when they're not, (laughs) it's also totally felt, you know, like people say like, Oh, you can get the tone of someone through an email even, or something like that. And sure that can be misconstrued or whatever, but, um, but I just love the ability to sort of set yourself up to come back to baseline, whatever that might be for you that day. So that whoever you are in all of your interactions moving forward is your purest most, you know, um, aligned self, which I think is like who we want to be to other people. Exactly. And like in, in any form of breath where I love everything that you just said, because that's exactly it. It's, it's who are we as we're walking through our days when we get out of these practices and how are we cultivating that within ourselves in the intentional practices that we choose? Because yeah, like, you know, like, as I was saying before that, electromagnetic field of the heart can be felt so far off the body and people are interacting with your energy field before they're ever interacting with you verbally or even non-verbally they're feeling that energy and with breath work one of the things that I love so much about it no matter what type you're practicing you're developing resilience in your nervous system and so that resilience gives you the power to respond rather than react to situations in your daily life, no matter how triggering they are. Mm -hmm. So it just like speaks to exactly what you were saying of developing that resilience allows you to call your power all back into your body, you know? So you're basically, you're interacting with the world from a state of like inner wholeness and centeredness and power, instead of this fragmented state of unsafety and reaction. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. Okay. I need to get that monitor for my ear. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to be obsessed I, with it. Cause I know you're like a geek with info, like yeah. stuff like that, like I am too. So I just think you're going to love it. And it gives you a score at the end. <laughs> oh, that's so great. And I do feel yeah. like people, especially when it comes to things like that are energetic and spiritual, a lot of people, I think also don't, um, 
you know, have trouble understanding like the actualness behind it because there isn't often data. There isn't often, you know, it's not as cut and dry as maybe some other things. So I think having that monitor that shows you in real time, you know, it reflects back to you, your own experience. And you can then confirm by relating that that is in fact what's happening and how it's feeling for you. I feel like is really helpful for people who a feel like they need to like understand through knowledge and learning, but also just like people who are just curious about the data, you know, there, I mean, tons of people like to kind of track their, um, their wellness in different ways. So I think that sounds super cool. I'm definitely going to look that up and I'll put a link in the show notes too, because I want people to know where to get that. Yeah. Um, So it it really grounds the spiritual and the practical, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's really helpful. So speaking of grounding, what, what does nature play in your practice? Like how does nature come into your everyday life? Yeah. Nature. I mean, just like you, like nature is a huge part of my spiritual practice. Actually, I love it just for people who are listening. Meredith and I live, you know, a state away, but it's so funny because when she and I will post like on Instagram or something, the sunrise in the morning, we're like same sunrise. Yeah, We're like connected to the same sky somehow. And it's just like such a cool point of connection, but yeah, yeah my connection to nature is everything. Like in, in specifically when I'm by myself, because I feel like I'm really in conversation with like, <laughs> this is like so woo woo, but like the whole of life, you know, like when you're outside and you're feeling the elements on your skin and you're interacting with, you know, the sounds of the birds or leaves rustling in the trees, it kind of just like stirs up this remembrance of like, we're alive in this moment on this planet at this time. And I can remember some of my most like felt ecstatic moments have been moments that I've just been out in nature and just fully connected to what's happening around me. Like I remember I woke up, I think it was like five years ago and I just went down to the beach for the sunrise. And the second I stepped on the beach, it was so beautiful that I just started crying from a place mm-hmm. of just like pure love. So I don't know, I'm endlessly inspired by it. It fills me up in a way that like reading or meditating or even breath work can't, because I feel like it just, it connects me to the whole that I'm part of. And I think as humans, we can become so engrossed in the speed of life and the technology of life. And and, and like, you know, like the, the computery technology of life, that it's not like the natural technology that we can lose touch with our real essence and our interconnectedness with everything around us. So nature to me is like, church. (laughs) It's my reminder of who I am. It's my connection to something greater than myself. And it's like my biggest teacher in terms of perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, bringing me back into right relationship with how I'm relating to basically everything in my life. It's Mm -hmm. like an equalizer. It's like the ultimate equalizer. Yeah. I think of it as like the way that I come back to baseline, you Mm -hmm. know, which is why for me, it's so easy. And who knows? I mean, I'm never really um, hard stuck on practices and daily practices and things like that. Like as soon as it starts feeling like you're putting a square peg in a round hole, it's like time to back off and like decide kind of like, you know, what, what you need in that season. But I think the reason it's been so easy and so fulfilling for me to wake up every morning at like 520 to go, and it'll be much earlier come summertime, um, go to the beach for the sunrise is because, it's literally what brings me to base mm. by showing up at the beach, 
being there, exactly what you said, listening to the sounds, seeing the nature, being in that present moment gives so much perspective. It diffuses and alleviates whatever else might have, you know, happened earlier or the day before or what will be happening. It literally like is kind of my like wash of anxiety, you know, like mm-hmm. anything that might be building up in my body. Like, I think I'm learning that I'm maybe more of an anxious person than I ever realized. And I think the whole computering and technology definitely doesn't um, help with that. I think my natural inclination is to kind of like roll with the roller coaster and keep the speed going. <laughs> and I feel like by having that practice to connect with nature, which is just so soothing and relaxing and beautiful that having that space every morning diffuses so much of that. So every day I start my day feeling so much gratitude, so much appreciation. Like I've said this before, my day could end at 8 a.m. and I would be like, good. You know, I've gone and seen the sunrise. I've had my cacao. I've had a few breaths, if not minutes with some essential oils. I've walked my dog my day could end. You know what I mean? Like I could go to sleep that night and feel like I've totally done enough that day. And the Mm. reason I feel that way is because I felt connected. Yes. And I think there's something really to be said too, about that feeling of like satisfaction and fulfillment you have when you switch all of your senses on. Yeah. So you're outside in nature, you have no choice, but to switch every single one of your senses on because you're feeling the air, you're smelling the natural elements that are around you. You're hearing the animals and the birds and the wind. And so much of our our modern day, people wake up and they're in a screen. And so their senses are already like narrowed. So you wake up and you turn on every single one of your senses outside Mm -hmm. and you, you basically put the on switch to being fully alive. Right. So there's no wonder that you feel so like satisfied and fulfilled. And I feel the same exact way when, when I'm doing the, like going on my nature walks regularly. It's like, after that, I'm like, I lived today. I'm good. You know, <laughs> I experienced life in a way that most people didn't today and maybe never ha- haven't yet. Exactly. No. And there's just such the connected feeling with that. Like that's really, to me, what what brings me the most joy and fulfillment is just that sense of connection. And when I realized that like it's in nature, (laughs) which is everywhere (laughs) and free, like, why is this not such an integral part of our lives anymore? And I think, you know, obviously it's because of just like the world has become so reliant on technology and industry. And just, we have moved so far away from actually like living in nature. So I get it, but um, I really think it's something that is very overlooked. Um, And it's so, it's so simple. And I think that's also why it's easily overlooked is it really isn't complicated. It's, it's really quite simple. It's just being able to sort of like, I don't know, maybe even relax your nervous system enough to be in the receptive space, to let your senses open, you know, and, and, Mm. and take that time. Um, which is where I think like, you know, taking like a walking meditation where you specifically are like, okay, I'm working with my sense of smell right now, sight, touch, like that kind of slowly opens the doorways to awareness for someone to be like, okay, this is what connection feels like. You know what I mean? So 
yes, it's that, that felt sense of connection that I think we are missing because we're looking for connection in the wrong places a lot yeah. of the times. And I think too, I think that people kind of feel like they, I know that whenever I've posted, you know, shared online that I'm taking a nature walk, sometimes you'll get messages of like, oh, must be nice uh-huh. to have time for that during the day. And, and I find that really interesting because we create space for things that are important to us. And I think that a lot of people feel like they have so much on their list that they don't have time to create space for themselves. Mm-hmm. But, but the thing is, and I wanted to ask you this too, what I find is when I do create space for myself, especially in a day that feels like I shouldn't have space, I feel space open up in every area of my life because I'm actually attuned to how much spaciousness is really there that my mind wasn't allowing for originally. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that same way? Cause you carve out time every single day to get out there. Do you feel the rest of your day becomes more spacious as a result of setting the tone in that way? 100%. Yeah. In fact, um, I, I did a uh, Instagram post about this, I think it was probably like maybe a year ago or so, um, where I was, there was one specific day and I was feeling so overwhelmed, so stressed out. I was not feel. I was sitting at my computer. I was trying to force creativity and work mm-hmm. and doing, and I was like, something in me was like, get outside. And yeah. so I went to Satuous wildlife refuge, which is one of my favorite places to walk. Um, and I just was like, I just was like, get me there. Like I just got out of my car and just started walking. And within moments, I felt like myself again. I felt like that anxiety, that needing to be doing and moving and just forcing ideas and creativity, just like it, it went away. And then ideas and inspiration and creativity was able to drop in. So for me, from experience, Nature is what creates your capacity to not necessarily do more in terms of hours, but create even maybe more impact or have more meaningful connection to what you're doing so that it then has more impact. It's able to connect better with other people. It's more connected to you. Um, I mean, I, I really think that nature is the ultimate limitless place of inspiration and it was actually really um, tricky for me at first because when I realized, holy shit, like this was whew, like a day, day changer, life changer for me. Um, it was still difficult for me to take the time after mm. that to go out into nature, even though I knew from experience how impactful it was for me. So what I did was I started calling, I started calling it my nature office hours. And <laughs> yes, perfect. Schedule. Capricorn schedule into <laughs> my calendar, go to Satuous. So it's like, I got a zoom meeting. I got this, I got this thing to do. And at 2 PM, I'm going for a walk at Satuous or what I started doing at one point was every Friday at 8 AM, I would go for a walk. Didn't matter. Rain, shine, snow, wind, cold, hot, 8 AM. I was going for a walk and it took a lot of practice of putting it into action to get to a place from, okay, I'm aware that this was really helpful and I want to do it. And I, and then I think a lot of people get stuck there. I'm aware in my brain that this is going to be helpful. And then I experienced, wow, that actually shifted my life and my capacity for creation. Um, then it's still hard to go from that to now I'm going to do it all the time because I, I'm going to walk my walk and really value 
what I know is valuable for me. So, um, so I started calling it my nature office hours. I would schedule in a couple times a week to go for a walk. Um, and then I don't know, I don't even remember, but at some point it just became second nature that anytime I need or want, I'll go outside. Um, and, and then it evolved into sunrise because, um, my yoga room upstairs, the windows look out into, um, like sunrise direction. And I would see over like the houses and some trees, like some beautiful snippets of sunrise. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? in my yoga room right now. I need to be at the fucking beach. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it took me a little bit of time because I was like, oh, that seems like a little much, you know, to be like getting up so early and, and like getting to the beach and like, what am I going to do when I get, you know, like, like, so I just had all these thoughts of like, oh, that's stupid. Like, why do you want to do that? You know, but I kind of, I kept feeling really connected to like, I want to be closer to that sunrise. I want to see the whole thing. So then I started, you know, going to the beach for sunrise. So it's been this evolution. And to answer your question, I think I answered it in a million ways, but yes, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. I feel like getting into nature is, um, I don't know, in not the only way, but it's definitely a primary way to be able to um, connect myself to creativity and inspiration, 100%. Mm, I love the way that you just described all of that. And one of the things that was just so beautiful was how you were just explaining how, you know, your mind comes in with all these judgments about like, you're, you're seeing the glimpses of the sunrise from your yoga room and your mind comes in with all these judgments, but you're being pulled forward by this like sense of excitement in your body. And that's your truth. That's like your felt sense that's pulling you forward into the world. And the way that you kind of just described how it all unfolded for you, you know, at first doing it sometimes, and then it morphed into the sunrise or, or it was 8am and then it was the sunrise every day. You really sunk into living your process. Right. And it's so interesting because I remember when you started go- doing the sunrises every day, I felt this like shift in your energy, just from like a witness perspective and a shift in your work where everything, it seems like you like bloomed open, like fully, like you feel like you anchored into your power because like you were following that excitement from within. And yeah, it's just been so beautiful to see a simple practice that you've done consistently and the compound effect of that and how it can even be felt like in your energy field. It's just so beautiful to witness things like that. Well, thank you. Oh my gosh. And I, I feel that way. Like it definitely feels that way that, um, I I think I've just been allowing myself to, as you said, kind of sink and steep deeper into back to the beginning, curiosity and what you're drawn to. Um, and I think what I wanted to, what we, I wanted us to chat about, which I know is something you've been working on too, is about teaching from lived, lived experience, I think speaks to this is that embodiment piece. Mm. No, I think as people, you and I, many other people listening probably who have taught many modalities or types of things, it's really easy to default into the, like, I'm the teacher mode. Like I learned that once, therefore I can just like keep talking about it forever as if like I do it all the time or, or as if it's like really truly deep with, within my experience right now. But sometimes that's not the case. Um, and, and I really do think to what you were saying about maybe the way I'm expressing even through social media feels different. I think it's really just that embodiment piece and just like settling into 
what feels right for me right now and just letting it be that. Totally. It's like, I think that, you know, as we're taught, anyone who is brought up in any sort of like standardized education, which I think a lot of us were, we're taught to quote, trust the experts. We're taught to just um, memorize information and not really sink into our body and the felt sense experience of that. And then express ourselves from that place. You know, we grow up being like graded and measured by the out, these outside sources that tell us that we're right or wrong or worthy or unworthy of certain things. And so there's this real rewiring that I think happens for a lot of people when they get older and they're like, oh my God, <laughs> these thoughts and these programs are not my own that I'm running, that are running my life every single day. And so when we start to allow the process of becoming alive and following what lights us up and our desires to run our life, we start developing this like richness and depth of experience in this archive that we can then pull from because we know what it feels like to really show up and be present for these different situations, whether they be feeling, bringing up positive feelings or negative feelings, but being able to stick with them. And, and yeah, what you were saying about how you know, living in this way and just following your process has, is like kind of like emanating out of you. I feel like that is the essence of power. Like you're in your power because you are living your life led by your inner compass at this point. You know, you're not looking outside of, outside of you for signposts to tell you what direction to go. And you're literally experimenting with life. Like I like to think of I like to think of everything as a conversation with life itself. And it's almost like if I was overhearing this conversation that I was having, like it could even be about the stupidest thing, like but with my lunch right now, like what's the conversation I'm having with my lunch right now? Am I present with it? Am I smelling the aromas or am I taking in the different textures and like how vegetables are beautiful or how this was cooked and, and the tastes? And am I really showing up for that beautiful, like sensual process of eating and like, what is that conversation like? Or am I sitting there judging the food, thinking about what my body's going to look like after I eat the food, having all of these thoughts that someone else placed in my head about it. And, and, you know, I kind of try to treat everything, or at least that's a practice of mine of trying to bring every situation into how is this conversation with life flowing right now? Am I open to it? Am I present with it? Am I like having new experiences through these routine rituals in my everyday life? Or am I just replaying past experiences over and over again in a loop and never really evolving or moving forward? And I feel like when we really are in present conversation with life, we anchor deeper and deeper into our own power and not power being a forceful thing, but the power of the embodiment that you were mentioning of all of my energy is called back into my body and I'm responding to things right here, right now, instead of memories or trauma or anything like that, or programming from previous or outside sources. I feel like when you use the word power, the word that came to my mind was settled, mm. you know, yes. and I feel like, like the word contentment has been with me for a while now as like, that is a core desired feeling contentment. Mm. And at one point I would have thought, well, that sounds really boring. <laughs> that sounds really useless. That sounds <laughs> really whatever. And now I'm like, no, 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 no. Like when you are in your power, when you're 
when you're resourcing from a place of contentment, that makes the ability to do all the things and create all the things and like be the person you want to be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I, I'm so with you on that. And I feel like my question that's like coming into my head is, well, why is this hard for people? You know, oh. why is it hard to be, I think really what we're sort of talking about here is like the knowing how to do something or the concept of something um, and the embodiment of the thing. Why yeah. is it hard to embody the thing? Because I think most people, and I, I, this has been, I think my experience, but I would think this is the case for most people that when they're in that sort of like maybe teaching perspective, but they're not really embodied in the thing, it's not, it's not intentional. You know what I mean? Like they're just not there yet. And sometimes maybe we need to come from the place of like brain thinking and knowing and just exploring that, even if it's a little wonky and misaligned to get to delayering to the place of embodiment. Like, I don't know. What do you think about that? (laughs) Yeah. So two things came to mind right away when you said what kind of like stands in the way for people to implement this for themselves. The first actually comes from a word that you used when you were describing how you used to feel about contentment, which is useless. Hmm. And I think that that is the crux of it for so many of us, because we've been taught that in order to be um, like a worthy human, we must be productive. We must be producing results. We must be focused on goals, the end result. And as a result of that, we lose touch with how important it is to be in the process and be present with the process. So I think that when we are focused or when we're programmed to allow the feeling of needing to be productive to determine our self-worth or to drive us forward in life, then it's kind of impossible to really be in your your power because you're outsourcing that power to what other people think about you and the outcome of your actions in the way that um, can be validated externally. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other thing that came to mind was power for many of us, because many of us are disempowered from a very young age, just from outside sources, trying to teach us everything about the way life quote unquote should be. We, (laughs) it's, it's just so interesting. Like, I feel like we have this subconscious fear of our power. Like, what does that feel like in my body? And also if I am to truly embody like my unique self-expression, my authentic self-expression, no matter how different that might be than all the other expressions around me, what's going to happen to my life? Because I think as humans, we are, we're innately hardwired to always be scanning for threats to our safety. Mm-hmm. And one of the perceived threats to our safety is not belonging because we're, you know, tribal creatures and we're our nervous systems are actually built on interpersonal relationships. So we're always seeking cues in the outside world through people's facial expressions, tone of voice, things like that of us being safe. And so if we're to embody our power and our uniqueness, that inherently threatens our ability to belong, which subconsciously threatens our ability to survive, even though those aren't things that are actually going to kill us. Maybe in past lives they did, like maybe we were part of the Salem witch trials and us like really bringing our magic to the world got us burned at the stake. And we have echoes of that in our present life. But I think sometimes we 
we stand in the way of ourselves really embodying our, our wholeness and really stepping into our power, which power can be peaceful. It can be soft. It doesn't power distorted power is violent and forceful, but our real power, as you were saying, just like kind of comes from that mm, settledness, that centeredness and groundedness. And I think we worry about what am I going to lose if I really step into this and live as this really true, whole, powerful version of myself? Mm-hmm. Are people in my life going to stop relating to me? Um, am I going to lose people that are important to me? Like, is there going to be distance that grows through these established connections that make me feel safe and whole in the world? So those are the two things that kind of pop to mind of like big things that stand in our way. Heart for nature as ceremony is open. You guys, when I tell you that I have been dreaming up this space and this program for over a year, I tell you, I mean it. And I am so excited to offer it starting April 6th. It's a four week live gathering for visionaries and creatives. It's an inward retreat to bring your genius into fruition by regrounding into your true nature. And I like to think of it as a cocoon to nurture your creativity. It'll be a ceremonial container where solitude and slowness are celebrated. And it's a seasonal space this spring to commune with nature to receive your clearest, most connected creative downloads. And in union with an intimate community who values the same. I invite you to join me for Nature's Ceremony. Cart closes Thursday, March 31st, and you can learn more at meredithewinson.com slash nature as ceremony. I feel like there's a few different things that are coming to mind, but one is to have the devotion to ourself to be in our power. And by being in our power, that might be committing to a practice that makes you feel powerful. Um, That takes a level of worthiness and self-love that I think because of that productivity programming, a lot of us don't have, or we're distanced from it. Um, Yeah. So I feel like that can be a chicken and the egg situation, but I'm wondering like, how, how does one break through that then? Well, I think honestly, it's about, because I think, and it's actually about this kind of circles back to the breath work and different practices that we can do, but it's about dropping out of this like frontal lobe mind oriented way of living. And we use our, obviously our minds are incredible tools, but our minds are supposed to work in service to our body and not the other way around. But we've got into this place where we're so mentally focused and intellectually focused in our societies that we've lost touch with our bodies. Like many of us are literally floating around like dissociated blobs. Like we have no idea what's happening in our body in any given time. And so any practice that can help us drop out of those mental loops Mm -hmm. and into our body and get into basically the things that are causing those loops, because what happens is at certain points in our, you know, we're born as babies, like whole perfect beings. Like we don't feel that sense of separation or that sense of shame or guilt or judgment from the outside world. Like we are just like authentic expressions of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then as life goes on, these certain things happen to us, which we can put under the label of trauma. There's big T and little T trauma, right? There's like those huge, like 
major events. And then there's kind of like those smaller things, but they're life shifting. And so in either one, this fragment of ourself is broken off. And this fragment of ourself actually starts like living in this loop of that trauma because a lot of us, okay. So I'm just also going to bring this back into think about animals in nature. This is like the most overused example, but if a zebra, a zebra or like a gazelle is being chased by a tiger um, and then it escapes, like its life is in danger and then it escapes, it will go, first of all, it, it, its fight or flight response was activated, right? So its trauma response was activated. It ran away, it fleed, and then it was successful in fleeing. Now, in order for it to go back into like its normal functioning, like a social, calm, normal functioning, it has to discharge that like adrenaline, that trauma energy from its body. So the animal, because like they don't have this programming that stifles their innate intelligence, will stand there and shake it out of their body. Like I'm sure you see your dog do it all the time. I see my cat do it sometimes. And so they allow the trauma response to complete. So then they are free and liberated from that event. They don't actually walk around the rest of, if they discharge that energy properly, they don't walk around the rest of their life being like looping that experience because there's a fragment of them left there. They just, they can just go along with their life. Mm -hmm. Us humans, a lot of us, many of us are taught to um, keep our emotions to ourselves, to not be too sensitive, to not be loud or not be emotional in general, or, you know, like really authentically express ourselves because there's these layers of shame that are put on top of us for just kind of like allowing energy to move naturally, honestly, like emotions are energy in motion and they're meant to be fluid, but many of us stuff them and store them in our bodies. So as a result of this, many times when humans encounter something traumatic, we don't complete that trauma response because there's shame around it or the circumstances aren't correct or safe enough for us to do that. And so we end up fragmenting off like pieces of our soul, basically that loop in that trauma. So when we are able to move out of the mind, because the mind actually can't solve this because our trauma and stored emotions are not stored in the brain. They're stored actually in the nervous system and in the tissues of our body. So in order to get like collect back those fragments, we actually need to do somatic practices where we are anchoring into our felt sense in the present moment without judgment, with full acceptance and allowing those energies to flow and then bringing it into more active practices. Like the conscious connected breath work is a great example where that actually allows your natural faculties, like your breath to work medicinally in your body, where they're actually able to liberate those stored patterns and resolve them instantaneously without your brain being involved at all. So I think so much of it comes back to that embodiment piece of really being present with the body. Oh, there's one more like fascinating thing that I'll say about that. And um, it comes from what I, I keep referencing the felt sense. And that really is just like this present moment awareness of what's happening in your body. And it's kind of like, you take in like the texture, the depth, um, the color, the temperature, any of those things of like what's happening in your body and you bring your awareness to them. That was um, there. He was a researcher in the sixties, Eugene Gendlin, and he wanted to know what creates successful therapy outcomes. I think during talk therapy and what creates unsuccessful therapy outcomes, he wanted to know if there was a common denominator And the only thing that he could pinpoint was when they brought therapy clients 
into their felt sense. So not just why do you think this happened and what does that mean to you and how do you feel, but Mm -hmm. actually the somatic experience of that, of not, I feel anxiety, but I feel this feeling in my heart center and it's vibrating quickly and it feels a little jagged. And when they're able to explain it like that, there is this this integration of actually what's happening between the mind and the body. And they're able to actually process the the trauma that they're working through and liberate those mental patterns. Mm -hmm. So the body I think is the missing component in all of this. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And to circle back to the breath work, I'm glad that you brought that up. One thing that I didn't mention when we were talking about that is my experience with having done some of your sessions, which is exactly what you're describing which is coming into the session with physical pain and leaving the session without it just Mm. simply by breathing. And, and I said this to you that um, like, I often have like kind of neck area type pain and it's really just annoying. You know, Um, it, 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 I'll do things that'll help it go away. And then it keeps coming back. Um, And doing one of your breathwork practices, like it, literally stayed away for like days where normally it would be, you know, a few hours or like a day maybe. Um, but it was so simple. Like I literally was just laying down and breathing and by the end of it, the pain had dissipated. And I want you to share a little bit like why and how, like, I know (laughs) you, (laughs) you mentioned that also like Emotions are associated with physical pain, the way that we're taught to breathe. Um, Yeah. So can you dig into that a little bit? Because this is so fascinating to me that something as simple as breathing, which is something that like, quote, we all know how to do because we have to, is really something that like, just to reiterate all the points of it being therapeutic and life-changing. Yeah. How, how is that related? Totally. So To start with the emotions and how those can manifest as pain. It's like, think about, um, and I I use the word negative loosely because all emotions are here for a reason. And I don't want to like say negative sometimes because I think it gives us resistance to feeling them where there is actually so much medicine and allowing feelings that feel painful or negative to flow through us and reveal their wisdom to us. But I will just say it in context, just for ease of us talking about this. So when we're experiencing negative emotions and we don't allow them to cycle through us in their natural way and release and transmute and alchemize into something different, we actually store them in our body. We store them in our tissues. And, you know, there's all sorts of people who have different schools of thought of why we store them in different places. Like Chinese medicine has its own structure of, I I believe actually the shoulders, how you have shoulder pain. I believe that's corresponding to, I think that corresponds to the liver organ in traditional Chinese medicine. Mm. So that's interesting in and of itself, but then there's other more kind of like metaphysical descriptions of it, of, you know, if your shoulders hurt, this is, I'm making this up out of thin air, but like you you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. And that's kind of how, or like, if you have knee pain or something like that, you're, you're um, feeling like you can't move forward. So there's all of those ways of describing it. But at the end of the day, 
you're basically your emotions that aren't pro. So think of, think of emotions needing to be digested, just like food needs to be digested. And if you're, so think about your digestive system. If you're not digesting things properly, there's things hanging out in all parts of your intestines. And then there's probably things also permeating out of your intestines. Cause you probably have leaky gut at that point. And they're getting in and lodging into different parts of your body. And there's toxins floating around your body. So you can think about emotions in the same way. There's so much happening to us. We're so overstimulated a lot of the time that it's almost like impossible to process all the information and energies and emotions that are arising or coming at us. So they just end up getting stored in your body. And I'm not even going to continue to kind of like pontificate on why they might be stored in certain places. But basically it's, oh, there was another part of your question, Mara. What was it? There was something else in, a, in addition to the Breathing, emotions. Like how we're taught to breathe. Oh yes, that's what it was. So the other thing that's really interesting about this is we will also feel the need to like suppress or express different emotions based on what has made us feel safe growing up. And like, so we'll store things just based on that. It can be really personal. And when we are babies especially we are co-regulating with our caretakers. So babies are always looking at facial expressions and these tiny, tiny nonverbal cues because they don't speak words yet. And we can't like have like a conversation with them. And so they're learning about the world through their mirror neurons and, and their nervous systems are developing in, in relation to their caretakers their, or their parents, like, you know, whoever it is. And so with our breathing, a lot of the times we, and we, it was like, kind of like that cycle we were talking about earlier, how you can just get trapped in this loop when we're co-regulating with our parents, say that they're experiencing negative emotions and they are not processing them or letting them flow for any reason. The babies are actually absorbing that and picking up on it because the baby's nervous system, and this is children. This is, I mean, this kind of like goes throughout your whole life. Cause we're always co-regulating with people, but you're developing these patterns based on like, you can feel those emotions that they're suppressing and then, or, and then what they're letting flow. So you're kind of like getting the sense of like, what's okay. And what's not okay. In addition to that, you're picking up on their actual breathing patterns. And so when we're not processing things fully, when we're not really to go back to what I was saying earlier in full conversation with life, um, our breathing will start to constrict and start to sh be shallow and get caught in our chest. We're not like fully expanding and we're not fully interacting with what's around us and with what's within us. So as, as babies, we can kind of develop these like short, shallow clipped breathing patterns, which actually puts us into kind of this like anxious, perpetually anxious state. Um, because we're not really feeling that expansiveness that's happening in our body. And we're not having that full exchange of the O2 and the CO2, basically. What you're saying is people need to learn how to breathe properly yes. and mm -hmm. breathing properly is going to help regulate your nervous system. And when your nervous system is regulated, you're less likely to probably harness pain in certain areas. I mean, sure. If you have a broken angle, you're probably not going to breathe the pain away. Maybe there's a, I don't know, there's probably, a probably not, there. probably not, <laughs> but, but if it's something like a chronic habitual thing where you've done different modalities to kind of help support it, that maybe it's not just the physical, maybe there is an emotional element to it. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. And there's a lot to explore with that. Um, 
yeah. And I've really enjoyed it. I've really, really enjoyed doing this, these breathwork sessions with you. And I, I'm going to keep doing it. And I keep thinking it's usually around like three or 4 PM. I'm like, all right, I need to go upstairs and like lay down and listen to Casey <laughs> and just like dissipate, just let the, the energy. And like, that's kind of how I think about pain in terms of breathing. Actually, now that I think about it, like if I'm guiding a meditation that I do not consider breath work that we're talking about, but a lot of times I'll guide people to send their awareness to any spaces of tightness or tense energy in their body and use their breath to allow that space to open and expand and let that, that pain dissipate. And I feel like through breath work, it's like a very specific targeted, um, way of doing that to where it really, um, yeah, it can really have profound shifts. A couple other tools. I know one tool that we share in common are essential oils. What, what are you loving on right now? What are you, what are you using in your like mindfulness meditation practice and what are you diffusing? Oh, Oh my God. I'm like crazy with the diffuser lately. I'm just like going wild and picking a bunch of random things and throwing them in there. So I can't even go with like one scent right now. Cause yeah, I'm just all over the map with that. But the oils that have been really speaking to me this week, and I've been using them in an aroma point therapy application, which for anyone who doesn't know, that is applying specific oils to specific acupoints to have a synergistic and like alchemical effect within your body. So what I've been really called to is, I mean, these are like no surprise because they're just ones that I use all the time, but, um, bergamot. So that's on ear shen men. So that's like kind of the top interior little indent in your ear holding that for recalibration harmony. I like to call that, or that is fondly known as the reset button. Really. If you want your energies to come back into like this state of just centered harmony, go to that. Mm. I've been using helichrysum on my heart center or CV 17. And that first of all, helichrysum is like the oil for trauma. Really. It's such a trauma soother, whether that be physical, mental, emotional, but it really just drops you right into your heart, into this beautiful softness and this like radiance that's hard to describe unless you really do that application. And then I've been using, um, I've been doing a lot of work on my like sacral and root chakras, and I've been using neroli on my sacral. Mm. Um, and so that is also kind of has like a beautiful harmonizing effect the same way bergamot does. It's really nurturing and it has this sweetness and it's beautiful, like to open that portal of creativity and connection to life. So yeah. Um, bergamot, helichrysum and neroli. I've been working with a lot this week, but like don't get me wrong. Like black spruce is one of my all-time faves. And like, he's yeah. my right-hand man all the time. And Rose always pulling for it. Vetiver, Melissa, those are probably my tops. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yummy. I'm just like in my brain smelling all of those like, together, <laughs> um, which would be so good. Kelly Kristen, I feel like is one that's often overlooked. I, ever since I first smelled it was very, very drawn to it. And I don't know that that's the case for a lot of people. Not that anyone says it doesn't smell lovely. It's just not maybe a popular one, but, um, that sounds like that could be a good one to integrate into a breathwork practice. Are there any other oils that you would, or that you do integrate into a conscious connected breathing breathwork practice? Yeah. Like, okay. So one of my favorites ever, especially when I'm doing my, my shorter practice in the morning, like if that's just, sometimes that will just be like 33 breaths. Most of the time it's like about a 10 minute practice. I love to, especially in the really short ones where I'm sitting up for my practice and I'm like, just 
kind of like anchoring into like the strength of my center channel and my spinal column is black spruce Mm -hmm. on my solar plexus. And then you can just simply do 33 conscious connected breaths and do them fast while you're doing that hold on the solar plexus. Um, actually one of our friends, Brittany, she, uh, she said that I, she like instantaneously manifested something after the first time she did that. And she's like, it's insane what it does. It's black spruce is like the most ancient wisdom keeper. And also when you think about the spruce trees, like they are so resilient. Like they actually put all their pine cones at the top of the trees. Cause if they get burned down in a forest fire, like the top is normally at least spared. And so they figured out like how to survive. So if we want to be brought into like that inner strength and our ability to stand tall and feel really resilient to life, mm-hmm. black spruce is the best. And I think that like putting it on the solar plexus, which is the center of our personal power is just those two together. It's just like straight alchemy where it like blasts you into a new zone. Oh my God. And you, I'm going to go do that right now. <laughs> it feels so good. Like even black spruce without the breath, but when you charge it with all that oxygen, it's just like yeah. your whole body tingles and you're like, I am powerful. So, um, yeah, yeah that's one of my faves. Ooh. I'm going to try that. I'm like, Brittany, (laughs) that cracks me up. I don't doubt it. That sounds so good. I'm definitely going to try that. And I love black spruce. You know, I love my tree oils lately. Um, And by lately, I mean, kind of for the past few months now. And I'm not really one to pick like a a thing of the year or whatever, but I feel like um, myrrh Mm. is maybe the oil that's going to continue to weave in and out for me this year, the oil of mother earth. Um, like so perfect for you. It was perfect, but it's just similar to vetiver, like that really thick, uh, rich, slow vibe. It's so magical. And it has such like, um, like an ancient smell to it. It just smells like mystical to me. Like it was like found in the tombs of Egypt or something like that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think that's what I'm attracted to by it. Like energetically is just how like solid and how, um, yeah, it's just, it just feels so reassuring. So that's what I've been loving a lot. I just, I just run through all the trees. I love all the tree oils. So me too. Um, Yeah. They have so much to offer us too. Like, you know, as, as we've been talking about, like people like living inside and being on technology, it's like, remind yourself to forest bathe throughout the day, like get those trees into your cells because trees are literally like the lungs of the earth. They're like life sustaining for us. And we have such a symbiotic relationship with them. We're actually like exchanging oxygen and CO2 all day. So I think they kind of also just like remind us of our interconnectedness with nature like as, as you've been saying, Oh my God, dead on. And I think that's probably why consciously or not that I am attracted to using them so often is it's like just regrounding into that energy that you just spoke of, which is like, if I'm inside, I want access to trees. Even if I'm outside, I want to just be, uh, I want to be as rooted and connected as possible to that. <laughs> I want them to be on me. Yeah. I want <laughs> hug me trees. <laughs> oh hug God. me back friends. <laughs> yeah. So, um, one last thing I want to ask you about as we're kind of talking about a few different practices. And I always think of you as someone who just is so speaking of embodied, so embodied and, and in the process of your own practice and process. Um, and I know microdosing is something that you've been, experiencing lately. Can you tell us what that is and how it's been going for you? I know it's newish to you, I think, but it's 
as I mentioned to you, something that's been sort of popping up into my awareness lately. And my curiosity ometer has kind of been like, hmm, and like noticing and like interesting. So can you touch on that a little bit? Totally. And, and, you know, like just total disclaimer, I am in no way an expert. This is just through personal exploration and experience. And if you, if, if someone is listening to this and they want to start microdosing, I, I would recommend doing a lot of research and, and finding someone who's like deeply knowledgeable about it instead of just listening to me. But from my personal experience, I was feeling just the same as you, like my little spidey senses, like perked up a little bit. And, and like, you know, it just kept kind of dropping into my awareness or coming up in conversation or being on things that I was watching or listening to. And I feel like whenever that happens, you know, like at least three times, I'm like something speaking to me, like the spirit of this is speaking to me and it's worth exploring. So, um, especially in this, this past year, I've been on kind of like this deep, I, I guess the only way to call it is like an underworld journey of like this, like season of contraction going inward and really processing a lot of um, big stuff that was happening in my body and in my emotions and things like that. And, and so I moved through all of the, the physical parts of that, that felt really hard for a while. And at the end of it, I was starting to feel my energy coming back. And I was just really wanting to make sure that as I returned to the feeling of being in myself, that I had cleared and acknowledged any other sort of like emotional residue that had come up and not been fully processed um, transmuted or released through all of that. And so breathwork is amazing for that. But I also was interested in seeing if I could work with microdosing. So I microdose psilocybin, which is mushrooms. So that feels, has always felt like a very gentle medicine to me. Like mushrooms just, I just resonate with them all around, not even just psychedelic mushrooms, but just like mushrooms in general. I think they're the most amazing species. Like they're not plant, not animal. Like what even are they? They're so amazing. So <laughs> anyway, I was like, this just, this just feels right to me on all levels. And I want to get into a place where any neural pathways that I have experienced through this kind of like trauma that I've been through in the past year, that I can rewire them into things that are productive and I can really like mine the gold out of them. So that's the reason that I started. And so I started in about mid-December. And I did about two months of microdosing. So what I was doing was either 0.1 to 0.2 milligrams. So that's like a very tiny amount. It's supposed to be a sub-perceptual amount. So you should still be able to do everything in your daily life, drive, work, everything that you can, but there is, your awareness is expanded and shifted in a way that it's not in your daily life where you are able to like create these new neural pathways and find these openings in your brain into creativity in a flow state that you might not be accessing on your daily life because you're just so entrenched in the patterns of your life. Mm. So that's really what I found, you know, it's so funny and it really depends on the day when I'm microdosing. Oh, and just to tell you the protocol I'm doing, um, it's the most the most widely used protocol, which is one day on two days off. So it's every three days. And I did that for a period of two months. And then you're supposed to take a break for at least a month to really integrate your experience. And the coolest thing is even on the days that I wouldn't be microdosing, I would feel the effects of it. So like 
it's always for me brings up the emotions or the energies that are at the surface that maybe I wouldn't normally be accessing. And it brings them up right to the surface where they have to be acknowledged and they have to be like met with full presence. And so sometimes that's just like all out like joy. Like I find myself dancing around my kitchen, just being like, woo, like floating around singing, having the best time on those days where like the expansive emotions are right at the surface or like yesterday I microdosed for the first or no, not yesterday, two days ago, Tuesday, I microdosed for the first time that I had in like a, about a month. Cause I took that time off for integration and so much frustration was right at the surface, mm-hmm. but it couldn't be ignored. So it's almost like those feelings that we would normally stuff down. Cause like, we feel like we don't have the time or space to deal with them, or we just don't feel like it right now. Cause it's not fun. They're there and they are, t- they have messages for you and they're ready to be acknowledged. So For me, it's really helped me, first of all, be super in touch with like the energetic undercurrents of my life and like what's really here. And then putting a magnifying glass up to those where I'm able to move through them and I'm able to see them in a different way than I may have otherwise. Also, speaking of nature, (laughs) like being in nature microdosing, you're like, freaking snow white. You're like walking around being like, yes, like come to me, my friends, like birds are flying towards you. Like everything is beautiful. And it's not because your vision is distorted or distorted or anything, but you're almost just like, again, coming back into that truth of your interconnectedness with Mm -hmm. everything around you. It's kind of like, I think about how mushrooms in the forest communicate and they have that like underground network Mm -hmm. where even trees are able to communicate to each other through that. And so I kind of think of them like that in an energetic sense for us. Like it bridges a gap of communication between us and things that like normally we wouldn't necessarily consciously know how to communicate with, Mm -hmm. but it almost kind of like opens up a channel where you have like a greater sense of communication and connection to the world around you and the world within you. Yeah. Wow. That sounds really interesting and powerful. And I feel like anything where I can understand and have a a better perspective of myself and the world around me and how that interconnectedness works is always very interesting to me. And like you said, like mushrooms, you just find to be very interesting, which I do too. I'm like, they come from nature. They like have so many medicinal properties outside of what most people think of just like the hallucinogenic properties. Um, So that is so fascinating to me that the way you describe your experience, is it something that you will do like long-term? Is this something you just do for a few months? Like what's, how do you, how do you know how long to do it? Mm, So from everyone that I've kind of come into contact with that teaches about this, so many people have totally different protocols, but the main underlying thing, I mean, and this isn't working with people, this isn't working with like psychologists who are using this in a clinical setting. This is people using it like intuitively, like you or I would. It's really just fully led by intuition. So they give the recommendations of time to take on and off because it's very easy for the body to develop a tolerance to psilocybin. Um, And you just don't want to have to keep increasing your Mm -hmm. levels. You don't want to build up a tolerance to it. You want to keep just like that small dose working. But I think the way that I'm doing it is just literally taking it day by day at this point. I don't even know if I'm going to go back on to the one day on two days off. I might just do it like probably fewer and farther between, or maybe closer together. If there's 
if my intuition is telling me. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to do is just be like super, now that I've experienced what it feels like to be on the protocol, now I'm kind of interested in experiencing what it's like to be just fully guided by my intuition and see how that unfolds. Mm -hmm. Because when I was doing the protocol, I wanted to stick with it because I wanted the experience of it. But there were definitely some days where I was kind of like, I probably wouldn't have chose to microdose today, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to do it because I want to, I just, I love like experimenting and being really curious about things. So I wanted that experience like grounded in my body. Is that because you had like something to do that day where you're like, I don't feel like microdosing or you were just like, I don't feel like I need to be in that state today. Like it was more like, it was more like, yeah, like I had something to do where I didn't necessarily like want any like alterations in my consciousness or (laughs) for example, the last day or like one of the last days that I had done it, Kyle and I had like rented, we were on vacation (laughs) and we had like just rented bikes and we were, it was like early in the morning and I had like just taken my microdose like an hour before. So like, it was just starting to kick in and I got on the bike and like, I wasn't used to riding it. And I was like, oh my God, like, I wish I was just like fully centered in like my normal senses and my normal, like sense of not being discombobulated kind of. (laughs) So there's just some things where it's like, I don't know if I like want to like learn something physical and new. Well, I'm doing this. However, that being said, it does feel amazing to exercise microdosing. Mm-hmm. Like you get like your awareness, like almost like goes into your tissues and it just feels so good to connect to your body in that way. So yeah. it was just like certain circumstances where I was like, mm, I'd rather like not have even sub perceptual alterations to my consciousness yeah. right now, you know? Yeah. And I've heard from some people that, um, I mean, you know so much more about sort of like that sort of brain consciousness type stuff than I do. But, um, I feel like a lot of people will microdose as a way to sort of like, I don't know if the word is enhanced, but like sort of tap into their creativity or their capacity to think differently, create differently, um, be inspired. Have you had that experience? Is that something you use it for? Yeah, totally. And I do find that like, whatever I, I think with microdosing intention is the most important thing going into it because the days where I don't have a solid intention, I, my awareness can get drawn like to so many things and like engrossed in them. So I like to really like sit down and set an intention and like actually sit with the plant and like kind of have a little conversation with it before I take the dose of like how I want it to work with me and where I want it to go. And so when I do that and I work with it intentionally, like, yeah, like your creativity can just, it's like getting into that flow state that so many people talk about where you're just connected and you're flowing. Like, it's almost like the channel is open and you don't even necessarily understand where the ideas are coming through, but they're just like true and right. And you're kind of like, just like riding this beautiful wave. So the intentionality about it, I have found for me at least is the primary component to like accessing that state. Mm. That sounds super key. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for sharing your, your process so far with that, because I know it's newer and I know, I don't know, it's maybe not the most mainstream thing. So I appreciate you. I think it's becoming kind of more something that people are experimenting with, if you will. But um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And so much of your knowledge about breath work. I mean, I feel like y- you are such a studied, learned person, you always have so many details and so much, um, knowledge about everything that you practice and that you teach. So I really appreciate that. And I love that so much about you. And, um, 
before we wrap up, because we've been chatting for a while, I feel like we can chat all day. Um, <laughs> God, in the vortex. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, By the way, thank you for everything you just said. Like that's so kind and so received with so much love. So thank you. And if people want to connect with you, where and how? So you can find me um, at www.karmicwellness.com. That's K-A-R-M-I-C. And on Instagram at karmicwellness. Nice. Um, The last thing that I like to do is end with some rapid fire questions, nature inspired questions. Are you ready for that? I'm so ready. Okay. Sunrise or sunset? Mm, Sunrise. Underwater or on the ground? On the ground. Mm. Stargazing or sunbathing? Sunbathing. A colorful landscape or earth tones? Earth tones. The coast or the mountains? Oh, the coast, baby. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) Awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Casey. This was amazing. Appreciate your time and all of your knowledge and expertise. And it was lovely chatting with you. Oh, this was so fun. Thank you, babe. This podcast is really just so beautiful and I enjoyed every second. So thank you for your thoughtful questions. And as always, I had so much fun with you. The cart for nature as ceremony is open. You guys, when I tell you that I have been dreaming up this space and this program for over a year, I tell you, I mean it. And I am so excited to offer it starting April 6th. It's a four-week live gathering for visionaries and creatives. It's an inward retreat to bring your genius into fruition by regrounding into your true nature. And I like to think of it as a cocoon to nurture your creativity. It'll be a ceremonial container where solitude and slowness are celebrated And it's a seasonal space this spring to commune with nature to receive your clearest, most connected creative downloads and in union with an intimate community who values the same. I invite you to join me for Nature Ceremony. Cart closes Thursday, March 31st, and you can learn more at meredithewinson.com slash nature as ceremony. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Daily Regrounding Podcast. If you loved it, I would be so grateful for you to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening, as well as share with a friend. And if you want to work with me, you can go to my website, MeredithEwinson.com, and have a look at my current nature-inspired meditation, mindfulness, and movement offerings. I'd love for you to connect with me on Instagram, at MeredithEwinson. Thanks again for listening. And remember, with just one breath, one moment of awareness, or one step into nature, you can reground.